Well, when I was young, the most exciting thing about Christmas was getting to go to the shopping centre on a Thursday night, um, seeing all the Christmas decorations, hearing the Christmas music play, seeing all the stores packed with people trying to buy last-minute Christmas gifts. There's just something about the buzz at Christmas time, right? Something about it that just draws you in. And one Christmas tradition that I started not long ago was watching Christmas, Christmas movies in the week leading up to Christmas. Now, I love doing that because it reminds me to slow down and enjoy Christmas. Because it's all over in an instant. Movies like Home Alone, Elf, The Grinch, Jingle All The Way. There's just something nostalgic about these movies that help me feel like it's Christmas time. Just like how I need these movies to remind me that it's Christmas time. I wonder for you how many of us uh, have gone through Christmas seasons without stopping to remember what this season is all about. Because if you're not careful, all you'll see Christmas as is a once a year event or a bunch of Christmas movies or a time to eat and give gifts. But I want to challenge you today to look beyond the gifts, the food the gatherings, all of which are a blessing and a joy. Because when we look beyond all that noise, we actually see that, that Jesus is not just a baby in a manger, but Jesus is the Son of God who came to die on the cross for us. And so today I want to show you three amazing things about Christmas. I want to show you why Jesus is the reason for this season and why Christmas should knock your socks off, leave you speechless, leave you in awe, and take your breath away every single time. What we're going to see is this. We're going to see the need for Jesus, the timing of Jesus, and why Jesus is such good news. Number one, the need for Jesus. Have you ever heard the Christmas story? Well, have you ever read Luke chapter 2, right? And you wondered to yourself, how the heck did we get to this spot? Who is Joseph and Mary? Why are they at some random farm? Who are the shepherds? And what's with this baby? Well, if you've ever read or heard the Christmas story, Luke chapter 2 is pretty much where it comes from. And it navigates the birth of Jesus. But when we start the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2, it's like starting a movie from halfway through. I remember a couple of years ago, I started my Harry Potter journey. Uh, not with the books, but with the movies. And I didn't start with the first movie. I actually started with the fourth movie. Now, did I know what was going on? No. Did I know who Harry Potter was and why he was so important? Not really. Have you ever gone to the cinemas? You finish your movie in Cinema 1 and you accidentally found yourself in Cinema 2, <laughs> Cinema 3 or Cinema 4 and it's like halfway through the movie? If we do that, which I'm not recommending because that's stealing, right? We miss the entire storyline. We miss who the characters are. We miss the plot of the story. And we're actually left with more questions than answers. So when we start Christmas from Luke chapter 2, we're starting halfway through the entire story. So we need to start from Genesis 3 because that's actually where the Christmas story begins. Let's turn to Genesis 3, 14 to 15. This is God's response to the serpent after Adam and Eve ate the fruit from which God said not to eat from. Uh, verse 14 says, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, 
Cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. In Genesis chapter 2, right, God created Adam and Eve and he tells them to guard and protect the garden. And we see that this chapter ends in this harmony between God and his creation. There's no sickness, there's no death, there's no murder, there's no depression, there's no stealing, there's no COVID. And so when we get to chapter 3, we're introduced to the serpent who deceived Eve into eating the, the fruit. The fruit appealed to Eve's senses, and it says that they saw that it was good for food and pleasing to the eye. So she followed her senses rather than God's instruction and ate the fruit. And we read that Adam was there with her the whole time, that he witnessed this entire exchange between the serpent and his wife, and he did absolutely nothing. And so Adam and Eve, they sin against God, they rebel against God's command, and they partake in evil. And the consequences are immediate. It says their eyes were open, and they realized that they were naked. And up to this point, they were completely transparent with each other. They felt no shame. But now they had to cover themselves because of this shame. That's what sin does. It completely paralyzes us. It paralyzes us from living full, joyful lives. Because it separates us from God. It distorts the reality of who we really are. That's why sin is so devastating. It destroys relationships. It destroys marriages. It destroys our ability to love, and ultimately, it destroys our relationship with God the Father. Now, the reason why this is so significant for us today is because when Adam and Eve sinned, the consequences weren't just for them, but for all of the human race. When Adam and Eve sinned, they became enslaved to sin. And when they brought forth children into the world, their children were also brought into this slavery, this bondage to sin. Romans 5 says, Through one man sin entered into the world, and by this one man death was brought into the world. And Romans tells us that physical death and spiritual death came into the world through the disobedience of Adam and Eve. That's why we live in such a corrupt, broken world. We're all corrupted by sin. And so what's going on in Genesis 3, 14, 15 is God saying, you disobeyed, they're going to die. Now, I'm not going to let you eat the tree that leads to eternal life because I don't want you to live forever in your sin. And so we see this straight away. After they, after they sin, God sets up the greatest plan in all of history. Verses 14 and 15. It's a curse to the serpent, but it's also a promise to mankind. And in it, we see the hint of a coming Savior. We see the hint of Christmas. It says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head. Who is God talking about? Jesus. Jesus will crush the head of the serpent. He will come as fully human and fully God and take on the sins of the world. Number two, the timing of Jesus. Galatians 4.4 says this, but when the time, when the set time had fully come, 
God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Listen again to what the Apostle Paul is saying in this Galatians passage. When the set time had fully come, God sent His Son. What we have to realize today is that Christmas, today Christmas, wasn't just an accident that happened. But it was orchestrated from God straight from the beginning of creation. Have you ever asked married couples how they met? If you haven't, you should, because some of their stories are absolutely amazing. When they explain to you how they met, sometimes you see it straight away, that God was orchestrating every conversation, every date, every moment for them to do life together. It's like when you drive through seven to ten green traffic lights, and it just keeps turning green again and again and again. You know that feeling. It's an amazing feeling. But how amazing is that timing, right? Just like how God orchestrates the timing of friends, families, partners, green lights, that's what we see happen in the background as the birth of Jesus unfolds in, in Luke chapter 2. Right? Politically, it was the perfect time for Jesus to be born because the Roman Empire was at its peak in terms of its power and status. And interestingly, right, one of its virtues was that it was tolerant to religious groups. They let you believe whatever you wanted to believe as long as you proclaimed that Caesar was God. Now, this time, it was only the Jewish people that had issues with this because they were adamant about worshipping Yahweh, the King of Kings. And because they resisted the law, right, they, they were persecuted by the Romans, and some even died. But the crazy thing was that the Roman leaders, for some reason, decided to bend the rules just a little bit for the Jewish people. And so the Jewish people were given exemption. And when Jesus was born, and when Christianity started, they were given freedom to proclaim the message until about 70 AD. Culturally, it was the perfect time for Jesus to be born. Alexander the Great had just conquered the world into which Jesus was born. And with, and with this spread Greek culture and the Greek language. This meant that when Jesus came into the world, more people than ever could read Greek. And so the news of Jesus spread more quickly. Spiritually, it was the right time because Greek philosophers like Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle be began asking questions about the meaning of life. And so we've got all these circumstances and events, all these Old Testament prophecies perfectly lining up for the birth of Jesus. And that's how we actually get to Luke chapter 2, the story of Jesus' birth. This is the God that we serve. Nothing is out of his time. Nothing is out of his hands. You may feel like you're walking in darkness. And maybe this Christmas season, you're really struggling with the burdens of life whether it's depression, anxiety, health issues, or whatever it is. You know, maybe God has led you through those dark times to get you here. Maybe he has led you in this moment to finally surrender to him. If our God can align perfectly the political, cultural, spiritual time for Jesus to be born at exactly the right time, then God can lead you in this moment right now. Don't underestimate his power. Number three, why Jesus is good news. We read at the beginning of Luke chapter two 
that Mary gave birth to Jesus. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room available for them. Verse 8. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, why does the angel say it's going to be good news? That will cause great joy for all people. Well, the angel gives us that answer. A Savior has been born, the Messiah, the Lord. Can you see how straight from the beginning that the angel is telling us that the good news, what's another word for good news? The gospel, right? The gospel will will bring great joy for all the people. Now, why is this so significant? Remember in Genesis 3, we saw how devastating the impact of sin was. That it separated us from God. That sin was introduced to the world through Adam and Eve. And because God is just, he doesn't let sin go unpunished. The punishment of sin needs to fall on something or someone. And that's why in the Old Testament, God requires animal sacrifices to provide temporary covering of sins. The, the animal died in place of the sinner, the person that, that sacrificed the, the animal. This is why sacrifices need to be offered again and again and again, because it was never enough. The animal sacrifice was important because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. The justice of God requires sin to be dealt with. And so the only way we could get our lives right with God was if a pure, unblemished, perfect sacrifice was made on our behalf. And this is why Jesus' birth is such great news. We celebrate Christmas because the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, was born. Jesus is the Savior who delivers us from sin and death. He is the Messiah who fulfills all of the law and prophets. Jesus is Lord, God Almighty, who took, on fu- who took on flesh. He was fully God and fully human and lived the perfect life no one could live. So why do we no longer need to offer animal sacrifices today? It's because Jesus became our pure, unblemished, perfect sacrifice. He willingly gave himself to die on the cross for the sins of the world. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Through what Jesus did on the cross, we can receive forgiveness of our sins and our wrongdoings. I remember when Jesus, I remember when Jesus became so real for me. I was in high school. I was 14. And the first thing that God convicted me of uh, was my potty mouth. I was quite loose with my words, my, prof- my profanity. And I remember God gently nudging me, saying, hey, you, you probably want to change that. The second conviction was letting go of all the music and movies that I had downloaded illegally. I'm just confessing. <laughs> you know, God convicted me of stealing. 
And it was undeniable uh, that God was pressing this on my heart. So I got rid of everything. Profanity, illegal music, and movies. You know, that's nothing compared to getting Jesus. That's nothing compared to walking with your Savior and receiving the grace and the forgiveness that He offers. So the challenge for you today is this. Do you know the reason for the season? Is this just another holiday? Or maybe God is nudging in your heart to finally come home. Maybe today is the day that your soul finds rest in knowing that you can't save yourself. That only Jesus can save you. Because Christmas is not about the gifts, the food, the holidays, all that stuff is good. But that's not the reason why we celebrate Christmas. The Apostle Paul tells us exactly why we celebrate Christmas. And it's found in Philippians 2, 6 to 11. He talks about Jesus. Who? Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is of every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledged that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the Christmas story. Paul reminds us that, that Jesus came humbly, that the God of the universe, he didn't come in limousines or robes and a massive party, but he came humbly in the form of a baby. And he humbly took on the very nature of a servant, And he was obedient even to death. Jesus came to tell the world that salvation is in one person. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is king. And this is where we're going to finish today. When the shepherds see Jesus for the first time, they bowed down and they worshiped him. This was their response. At the end of the day, when life is done, when God tells us that our time is up, when we come before Jesus, whether you believe in him or not, every single person's response is going to be the same as the shepherds. These shepherds and these wise men, they saw King Jesus and they bowed down. This is going to be our response. So whether you believe in God or not, a day is coming when every eye will see, every tongue confess, and every knee will bow that Jesus is King. So today, on this Christmas day, as one pastor puts it, Don't leave Jesus in the manger. 
He came in a wooden manger to die on a wooden cross. Let's close our eyes in prayer.